Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome, everyone, back to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I am your host of the MBA Insider Podcast, and I'm excited today because I have Amy Hernandez-Tercios with me. Amy is a recent graduate of HBS, the class of 2020, and uh, I'm excited to talk to her a little bit about her HBS experience, but also about what she's up to and what she's going to be doing next. And so, Amy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for coming on the MBA Insider Podcast and before I start talking to you a little bit about what we want to talk about today, I always like to give a warm-up question just to get things rolling. So uh, talk to me a little bit about um, when you were a child, uh, what did you want to be when you grew up one day? Yeah, Al, thank you so much for that introduction, and I'm so happy to be here today. So when I was a child, believe it or not, I wanted to be a CEO, and it sounds weird and wild um, because no one in my family did anything in business or anything kind of like related to, to white collar jobs in business. But the reason is I, I first learned about the term. I looked it up. The, the role of a CEO was to manage a company. And growing up, um, my family and I, we would always watch tel- telenovelas every single night as a family. And I remember watching all of these executives, all of these people in suits um, go to their corporate buildings, their corporate offices. And I, for some reason, I just thought that like, if you're a CEO, you would be in these corporate buildings and these corporate offices wearing these corporate suits. And that excited me. And that is literally the only reason why I wanted to be a CEO when I grew up. It was because I wanted to be in those offices based on these telenovelas. And that was the only reason, which looking back is is pretty comical. Yeah, but uh, you ended up at HBS. So, I mean, it's not, uh, I think you, I think there is some inspiration there that I think was helpful to helping you think about where you wanted to go. And the other thing I would say is that sometimes, whether we realize it or not, uh, the things that happened in childhood sometimes shape us in, in ways. And so, um, even though it was just on telenovelas, um, uh not a not a bad inspiration or not a bad dream to shoot for, uh, particularly now that you're in uh, now that you're in the business world. Um, so t- go a little bit further here. Um, just tell us about yourself, uh, who you are, maybe where you grew up, and then um, ultimately, um, what did you do before business school, and, and and why did you even choose to go? Absolutely. So I think when people first look at my resume, the, some of the first things that stand out is, wow, Amy Hernandez Turcios is a Harvard Business School alumna. Not only that, she also went to the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School. So two super stellar institutions. Not only that, she worked on Wall Street for a few years prior to business school. But what they don't realize is what is behind that. And what is behind that is a Guatemalan American who was the first in her family to go to college and she was someone who grew up in a low-income neighborhood in the suburbs of Los Angeles. So while on paper, you know, I think it 
all looks pristine and, and kind of the path that a successful person has had to take, um, getting to that point was definitely challenging. But I think those experiences taught me a lot about resilience and grit and that we are in a place where if you kind of like set your mind to it, I think the American dream um, is, is possible. Uh, that's great. That's great. No, and I, I think you're right. I mean, when you look at resumes, they, they tell you they tell you some things, but they don't tell you the whole story, right? And there's always more to the story than, you know, the, the school you went to and, uh, or the company that you represent. Um, and so I, I think that I think that's a great point that uh, that you make. And I guess maybe on that on that notion. Um, uh, so what? Uh, how did you? Uh, knowing where you grew up, and I'm assuming, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there weren't maybe a ton of people who went to HBS or went to Wharton for that matter. And I guess, how did those come into the, to, or maybe even worked in Wall Street for that matter? And so, um, you know, going back to that resume, like given what those those things are in your resume, how did you get exposed to those things, or or what um, what helped you get get to get to those those opportunities? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, it really boils down to two different things luck and figuring it out. So as, as you mentioned, um, you know, I didn't know anyone that went to an HBS. I didn't know anyone that had gone to really an Ivy league school from my peers that were, that I went to like middle school and high school with. So I really didn't know about this other world that existed. Um, I think at, at the schools that I was going to in middle school, elementary, high school, people for the most part stayed in California. I think dreaming big was, was just like going to college period. And that was a huge accomplishment, which don't get me wrong. It a hundred percent is. But I think in my community, like people just didn't really go to college. People would get pregnant very early on and, and have their families, which is great. But that's, that's kind of like what you were meant to do in my community. Um, so this notion of going to college, going to college in a different state, going to college in a state that was across the country, which is something that not a lot of people did. So for me, going back to my, my two, like, what were the two drivers behind me making it to a place like Penn? Um, luck and figuring it out. So around luck, um, I was not meant to go to college, not because I didn't have the academic and extracurricular achievement for it, but um, I remember one day my dad sat me down and he said, Miha, I'm sorry, but we can't afford to send you to college. And I was devastated because I was a straight A student. I had done everything right. But here we were at this juncture where because of money, I would not have been able to go to college. A few weeks later, as luck would have it, I received a paper in the mail from a nonprofit called QuestBridge that helps low-income, high-achieving students get to the nation's top school. And thanks to QuestBridge, I was able to apply, and that's how I got connected to Penn. Not only that, I got a full-ride scholarship to attend the University of Pennsylvania, which was, you know, one of the biggest blessings in my life, in my family's life. Um, and thanks to them, like, I was able to go to college, period. And then once I got to Penn, it's kind of where this whole like, or actually, sorry, taking a step back um, on the second point around figuring it out. Also, just like applying to college was a lot of figuring it out. 
um, you know, my family and I, like, we didn't really know about the SATs. We didn't know that there were also ACTs. We didn't know what a personal statement was. Um, here's a fun fact. I didn't even know that you had to interview to go to college. Um, I think a lot of schools made them optional and I thought they were optional, but I didn't realize that like, you know, 99% of the people opt to do these interviews because they're very important, but I just had no idea. Um, you know, luckily it all worked out, but I think there's just a lot around figuring things out for yourself. And while that's hard, I think, you know, it, it has made me a very scrappy type of person where if I have a question, I will figure it out. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that you said scrappy. And then before you said grit, and I think those are two just really important qualities. And I think that, um, you know, not to, we don't have to debate the merits of education in this podcast. We'll save it for another one, but what you kind of highlight and speak to is just the fact that even for people who are hardworking and smart and intelligent, there are a lot of other barriers that sometimes get in the way and sometimes separate the haves from the have nots. You know, as you said, for some people like, um, no duh, the SAT or the ACT or like, no duh, like you should fill out your FAFSA forms and for other people, because for lack of exposure or just lack of resources, like those are very real, those are very real hurdles that get in the way or, you know, private tutoring for SATs or, or whatever like it is. Um, and so um, it is, you know, number one, it's great for programs like QuestBridge and, and many others out there that do provide those opportunities. But also uh, to your point, for those who are willing and those who have dreams, um, with dreams comes that, uh, you know, kind of that perseverance to see it through and to work through whatever challenge that comes your way. And so I think that's really, uh, I think that it speaks to, you know, the work that you put in to get to, get to where you are. And I guess, speaking of that, uh, what, how, did, how did HBS get on the radar or how did business school, you know, get on the radar for you? What, what made you decide to ultimately apply and then go to HBS? Absolutely. So for me, again, it was a little bit of luck. I graduated from Penn, moved to New York City. I started my job as an investment banking analyst. So I did not see the light of day for a few years, <laughs> but it was worth it. Um, and for me, I didn't know anything about graduate school. Like it, it had not even crossed my mind. I think, you know, my family always inculcated the importance of education. But for us, like I had done it. I went to college. Like I, I did everything that I was supposed to and I was on top of the world. And I didn't even realize that people went to graduate school, one, and two, what they went to graduate school for. I had, you know, the fortune of going to, to Wharton for undergrad. So I had a very strong foundation for business and business fundamentals. In fact, we actually um, took a lot of classes with, with MBAs. Although, again, at the time, I just, for some reason, didn't realize graduate school, this is what people do. I, I just had no idea. So I, I get to New York, I start my investment banking program. And there, I meet my mentor, who was actually an HBS alum himself. And he would just tell me stories about his experiences at HBS, why he went to HBS, why and then not only that, he's like, okay, Amy, you're, you know, an amazing Latina. He was also Latino, which is, I think, another important part of the story. Um, you know, we bonded over our Latinidad, and he quickly became my mentor. And not only did he tell me about his experience at HBS, but he told me that I would go to HBS. It, it wasn't a question. 
it was a statement. And I guess goose, get goosebumps just thinking about this concept where it literally took one person to believe in me, one person to tell me that I would make it that far for me to be like, yeah, I, I guess I can go to a place like Harvard Business School. Um, if, if he thinks that I can do it, then I, I guess I can do it. But again, it goes back to this element of luck where I was just lucky that I, I met him during, you know, orientation all those years ago, because had I not met him, I promise you, I would not be a Harvard Business School alumna today. And then in terms of, again, going back to our elements of like luck and figuring it out, while at this point in my life, I had a lot of resources just financially because I had done investment banking for a few years because my family had just like also never done that before. And, and, um, you know, graduate school is new. You like, I still had to figure out how to apply to graduate school. And I think graduate school is one of those places where I think the, the playing field is a little bit more leveled because at this point, for the most part, people have resources to, to apply. Um, they just need to figure it out. And thanks to my experience applying for college when I was younger, I was already, I already had that muscle prepared. I, I figured out, I conquered how to apply to business school. And it, it was great training earlier in my life because for this go around, I knew exactly not what I had to do, but like how I had to approach the process. So yeah, luck and figuring out, it just keeps coming back. Yeah. And one of the things I, I like to think about with luck is that, um, um, luck happens for sure, but people who, um, people who are persistent tend to create sometimes in, incept their luck, if you will, like the, the more you continue to put yourself out there and to continue to be scrappy and a lot of time and then to continue to hustle, the more opportunities you create for your, for those accidental luck moments to, to happen. Um, and, uh, that is something that I've thought about from time to time before. Um, and then the other thing I was going to say that, you know, stuck out to me with what you said is like, I totally agree with you in terms of sometimes it just, it really just takes one person. And I think that is such a powerful also call to action in some ways also for believing in others and, 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 and guiding and coaching and mentoring others. And, and, you know, the things that you may take for granted or the things you may take as just, you know, being nice or just doing something or helping out someone um, can often mean the, the world, the world. Right. And, and in the, you know, in the case of uh, your mentor, I mean, maybe that first conversation was this, you know, spark. I mean, I'm sure there were subsequent conversations, but that, that initial spark uh, gave you enough of that motivation. And then, you know, the rest, the rest certainly took care of itself. And so um, I always think about that in the context of, um, you know, how you show up for others around you. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think this, this concept of, the impact that one person can have is yeah. just so strong, so powerful. And I think it's been the basis of, of my success in many ways, because while I've been trying to kind of achieve the next milestone or do the next thing or, you know, learn about the next mm -hmm. um, story or sorry, the next kind of like venture, I've always had a person to teach me a little bit about it. And I think this really brings me to me believing in the power of stories and the power of individual stories. And mm -hmm. 
even though you're just sharing someone your life experience, it, to your point, can, can mean the world to them. So for me, that's kind of the basis for this new venture that I'm working on. It's called Astruido is, is the name of the company. And, and what that means in Spanish, it's a call to action. It means make noise. And really the, the foundation for this idea is how do we leverage the power of stories to inspire emerging Latinx leaders? And this is important for me because again, I had people like my mentor who, who inspired me by sharing, by having him share his stories. And right now on my Instagram, Astrido, I'm trying to share my own personal story about my journey to HBS to help inspire other um, emerging Latinx leaders to, to do the same. And that, again, this concept is just one person, one story can just go so far. And it's been really rewarding, to be honest, to hear all these like stories of impact of how hearing my story, hearing the stories of other, of other people um, has made a difference in a person's life. Yeah. Great. And thank you for sharing about that. I was definitely going to ask you about that, but you, you, uh, you, you told the story better than I could have ever told it. So I think that's great. And, and on that notion, uh, talk a little bit about what some of those things that you did at HPS that you're, you know, you're sharing through, uh, you're sharing your story about now, you know, what were some of those either opportunities that you took advantage of or those transformative moments um, that you're, you're now sharing and then trying to inspire others with? Yeah. So for me, there were really two transformational moments or kind of role in, in the other case um, that I'd like to talk about. So one was around my my take. So at HBS, my takes are is an opportunity for you to share your personal story. It can be about whatever is significant to you, whatever matters to you. And you can do it your first year with your section of 93 people, or you could do it your second year with the broader HBS community. To be honest, I never felt comfortable or confident enough to do it my first year because I was still trying to figure out the case method. I was trying to figure out like if I belonged at HBS, imposter syndrome totally kicked in full force first semester. So I think I was just kind of like dealing with a lot of like, who am I kind of moments my first year. So I didn't feel comfortable doing that. And to be honest, I feel like a lot of my life, I've, I've kind of kept the just the, the, my identity of, of being a first generation, low income person, kind of under the wraps, because I just felt like I would be exposed if someone like discovered that I came from this background. So for honestly, for most of my life, I think I just kind of kept that under wraps. And then second year, I came into HBS. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do something that is totally out of my comfort zone. And I think it's really important for me to start feeling comfortable about sharing my story. Why? Because my story is one of the most powerful assets that I have. It's not these like pieces of papers that say, you know, fancy university names. It's not like my resume. No, it's, it's my story about how I got these things. And I knew that I had to just figure out how to be able to do that publicly and, and comfortably. And that was hard. It was really, really hard. So what I did, and it's probably like the most out of comfort zone thing that you do is I volunteered to do my, my take, which is sharing my personal story in front of the entire HBS community or whoever wanted to hear it anyway. And I believe 
over a hundred people came to my community, my take, and I, I put everything out there. I talked about how my dad crossed the border. I talked about how my parents lost their house. I, I just put it all on the table. And for me, while it was the most terrifying thing that I've, one of the most terrifying things I've ever done, it literally has been one of the most rewarding experiences I've had in my life because it kind of broke the, the bubble, the barrier of like, okay, so you put your story out there, you put it out publicly and you're okay. And not only that, I just felt so empowered, so confident that to own who I was and, and what I had to say, because what I've realized at HBS is that like my voice matters. And that's why I'm all about this concept of making noise, using your voice, because I've just seen like what it's done for me personally. And I'm just like on top of the world. I, I just want to go into a boardroom and, and just be the Latina who's in there giving perspectives, giving the different perspectives and, and being okay with being the, the, the only one in, in that room. So that was the first transformational instance. And then the second transformational kind of role for me was I was the co-president of the Latino Student Organization at HBS. And I had two other amazing co-presidents um, to lead the organization with. And for me, I learned a lot about myself, the way I lead, the way that I share kind of like visions and, and, and really like motivate people. So in my previous roles, again, I was in finance. I didn't really um, manage any people, but as co-president, you're, I mean, you're not, you're in some ways kind of like managing a team because we had a board that would drive forward, help us help, you know, the organization drive forward initiatives. But it's hard because they're your peers. They're like, you know, a few, they're either your age, a few years older than you, a few years younger than you. And it's like, how do you motivate people when there's like no necessarily like when there isn't necessarily compensation, but, um, you know, everyone is really excited about like accomplishing these goals. So for me, I just learned a lot about like being a leader in, in that role. And to be honest, it's just been so incredibly gratifying to see the work that we were able to do in one year like we created an incredible community on campus like the the people that were in the latino student organization i 100 percent consider them my second family because we just all got super close we were able to drive initiatives um through hbs and really kind of make our our voice and our identity known so if people want to follow at Lasso HBS, you can see exactly what I'm talking about. Um, that's on Instagram. And you can see, you know, pictures and, and posts of, of just like who we are. And it's crazy because we were able to help create this, this community on campus. And again, this was another reason why I wanted to start As Ruido, because I just want to continue this element of community and sharing this importance of community with beyond HBS. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I totally agree with you and see the t uh, incredible value in terms of being able to tell stories. And one of the things that I have realized too, from my own MBA experience, as well as talking to others, when you talk about something like imposter syndrome, I think that hearing stories actually is something that helps break the imposter syndrome, right? Because while you do hear about the diverse things that make people unique in their own right, you also start to peel back and see and understand 
some of the drivers behind the fears or challenges are, are still pretty universal, right? In, in some respects. And for me, at least, and other people, I, other people I've talked to, being able to hear the stories of others really do help um, maybe quell some of those concerns or fears, particularly when it comes to things like, you know, feeling like you fit in or feeling like you measure up or, you know, in a, in a community of, you know, some really talented, incredible people, just understanding that um, everyone is unique in their own way, but there are some universal things that, that do unite you and bring you together. And so uh, when you were talking about um, the process and the transformation you went under to be able to tell your story, that, that was one of the things that stuck out to me. And then, um, you know, I think perhaps maybe the other thing, and um, you talked a little bit about your family a little bit, but I'd love to hear maybe a little bit more, you know, in terms of how did your family kind of influence you or kind of think about um, or weave into the story that you were going to tell? I assume part of it. Um, but what, could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So my parents immigrated to the United States in the 80s from Guatemala with nothing more than what they could carry. And they built this incredible life for me and my two younger brothers in the United States of America. And they are my biggest role models. Without them, without their support, their encouragement, their their sacrifices, their hard work, I would not be where they are. So my mom cleaned houses. She, she was a nanny. And my dad did kind of like every job under the sun. He would like wash dishes, park cars, you know, what, whatever needed to be done. He, he, he was a jack of all trades. And I am so thankful for everything that they've done for, for me and, and my, my younger brothers. So incredibly thankful for, for my parents. And what I love is that they always um, instilled the value of education in, in us and, and how important that was. So they always just like supported me and in whatever crazy, you know, pro, summer program that I wanted to do or um, just kind of like a quick anecdote around that. So when I was in high school, I did these summer camps for Center for, it was called CTY, Center for Talented Youth. And in order to get into these summer programs, you needed to take the SATs in middle school. I remember one day my mom in middle school, I think I was in eighth grade, took me to our local high school to take the SATs. And she was terrified. She's like, why am I like dropping you off? at this high school, like, I have no idea what you're going to do, but I guess you're telling me that this works. And, and she, she just like trusted me and, and supported this, like, you know, crazy me taking the SATs in middle school um, shenanigan that I, that I had. But, um, you know, they, they have just always been incredibly supportive with, with all of this and, and just really it encouraged me to reach for, for my goals and, and my dreams. And, I think my dad has this phrase that he's told me throughout my life. Um, and I've, you know, and I'm using it to, to, for the name of my new venture. So he's always told me, which means like make noise wherever you are. And it's funny because he's always told me this and I've been able to make noise just, just, I guess not with my voice, if that makes sense. Um, so, you know, when I was at Penn, I, I made noise by being very actively involved with the Latino coalition, um, in, in different ways. When I was on Wall Street, I created a new initiative that was meant to help do two things. One, increase the number of Latinx junior investment bankers. 
and two, create a sense of community among the existing Latinx junior bankers. Um, so, you know, made noise there at HBS, again, with my involvement um, with the Latino student organization. So in, in many ways, like, I feel like I've always made noise, but with my actions versus my voice. And I think what HBS has allowed me to do is to do that, but also to start making noise with my voice. And what I mean by that is like, before HBS, I hated disagreeing with people, one. And two, I hated raising my hand in meetings because often I would be the only one who looked like the way that I did. I was, you know, often the only woman or the only Latina, the only Latinx person, whatever. I, I was like the X in the sea of um, is it O's in the sea of X's or X in the sea of whichever one it is. Um, but I was, you know, a lot of the time the, the only one. And I just, I just always felt like if I said something and I said it wrong, like I, I just would, I hated that feeling. So because of HBS, I've found my voice and now I can make noise and hacer ruido with both my actions of, of what I'm passionate about, but also with my voice. Now I have no problem, you know, telling people my perspective, sharing my perspective, sharing why I think these things. And I, you know, also have no problem like participating in meetings. And, you know, I haven't started my full-time job yet. So it's still like, we still really have to, you know, push this hypothesis, but two instances or two spaces where I've been able to practice a little bit about, of this was during my summer internship um, when I was doing consulting last summer. I, I felt the difference. I, I just felt like a whole new person in the corporate world. And then now doing my internship um, with a networking organization for Latinos, for Latino executives, I it's amazing. I really feel so confident and strong about sharing my perspectives. And also, again, respectfully disagreeing with people that I, I, that I don't agree with. So this is all to say that, um, yeah, this phrase has really um, taken a whole new meaning throughout my life. And I'm excited and, you know, hopefully it will make my dad proud by, by taking this phrase and, and kind of creating a movement around it, if you will. Like, I want to empower emerging Latinx leaders to have that confidence of not just making noise with actions, but also making noise with their words and their perspectives. Uh, I think that's great. And I have a very good feeling your parents are very proud of you and will continue to be. So <laughs> that's wonderful. And I guess maybe tell us a little bit more. So yes, inspiring. Uh, you want to continue inspiring people. You want to keep using your voice, but um, you know, where do you see this going for you? Like what, where are you going to take your venture next or, and also certainly too, you know, where can people, uh, find you to engage and learn more about everything that you're doing and how you're using your voice uh, as well as, you know, whatever actions you're taking too. Yeah, absolutely. So I am currently, um, and hopefully for the rest of my life will be based out of Los Angeles. So very excited to be back where, where it kind of all started and what's next for me. My, I, I want to do two things kind of going forward. And I think business school helped me like really fine-tune, like, what, what does happiness or success mean to me? So my two things. One, I want to be a good mother, wife, daughter, and sister, first and foremost. And two, I want to elevate Latinx leadership. I think 
success in my career is inherently kind of in that second point where if I can be successful in my career, then I can, you know, ultimately drive elevating Latinx leadership. Um, and I guess to make that a little bit more tangible, it's like, I want to be the Jennifer Lopez, the JLo of business. Like, I want to be the role model. I want to be the person who little boys and little girls are like, I want to be like that Latinx leader in business. Um, cause I feel like right now we, we really don't have many, many of those, unfortunately. And I think it's just super incredibly important to have, um, equal representation of on leadership teams that mirrors the composition of the country. Today, Latinos are about 18% of the country. By 2060, it's estimated that they're going to be about one in three people. I want leadership teams to reflect that. So that's why that second mission is super important of just elevating Latinx leadership. Um, how I'm going to do that, um, you know, to be determined, and I'm excited to start my post-MBA career in, in consulting to help me like figure out how, how to make that happen. So stay tuned for that. And then in terms of how to get in contact with me, um, step one is to just follow me on Instagram. My handle is at, at asruidoamy, that's H-A-Z-R-U-I-D-O, Amy, A-M-Y. And, you know, we're still in the early stages of, of the company's development. So stay tuned for a website and, and kind of like a, a, a more built out platform, if you will. Um, and in the meantime, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Again, my name is Amy Hernandez Curcios. That's T-U-R-C-I-O-S because it's a very challenging name to spell. And I look forward to, you know, meeting and connecting with, with the future leaders. So thanks again for having me. And, um, I really appreciate it. Great. Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, everyone. LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.